What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. And before we start this episode, I want to encourage all our listeners to please subscribe and rate our channel. We definitely appreciate that. Also, feel free to give us feedback. Like I said, all three of those things, we definitely appreciate it. I just want to start the show off and letting you guys know. And um, here's another episode. I hope you all enjoy it. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of rumors to motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm a play play. On the way. On the way, on the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way, on the way. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Kent, sitting here with my co-host, Xavier Miller. What's good? What's good? And today we have another dope guest on the show today. His name is Demonte. He's a commercial real estate consultant and investor, and he's a well-known fundraiser. Welcome to the show, Demonte. How y'all doing? Thank y'all for having me. Yeah, man, we've been... We've been uh... Waiting to do this episode for like what has this been like a month? Well, how long has it been, bro? Like a month, two months? I don't something, know. Yeah, something like that. About a month. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, before we start, oh well, in starting, you know, the first question we always ask our guests. So, just uh, what was the start on you? Everything you're doing right now, like, just give a little background on yourself. Uh, well, honestly, I could go like way back. Cause it really start with uh my my paternal grandfather. He okay. was in construction. So I guess working in construction, he saw that, okay, if I'm building these buildings, they must have some relevance. They must have some value to them. So at that point, he started buying his own properties when he could. So he passed that down to my dad. So like I just grew up in the business pretty much. They own a portfolio of about a dozen or so properties. And uh, my parents manage all of their siblings and parents' properties as well. So that was my start into real estate and I guess the business world. Wow. So you said your parents managed like pretty much all your family properties? Uh yeah, my mom was pretty much like the boss of the extended family. Like anything business wise, she like the CEO, CFO, COO, she do it all. You just a boss lady, honestly. <laughs> wow, that's dope there. That's dope as hell. So damn. So that's kinda of threw me off. Now I I, I wanna ask one question. <laughs> <laughs> so like so what was your what was your introduction into like really how old were you when you got like formally introduced to real estate? Uh, myself, I mean, I don't, I don't know when I could. I got licensed like just like February of this year. Mm-hmm. You could say that's when I got started myself. But I've been involved in the family business since I was a kid. Just going with my dad to pick up rent, uh, help him work on the house because he did all the management himself, all the repairs himself. Everything he could handle, because he's, he's an engineer. He works well with his hands. So anything that wasn't too out of his wheelhouse, he would handle. So I would, if I was available, I would go with him ever since I was a kid. So, like, with your family kind of bringing this to you, installing it into your generation, how important is it for you to carry on for the next generation? Uh, it's extremely important because, especially now that we see these trends of, Millennials pretty much being millennials and younger being almost conditioned to not own anything like leasing is the way like I just saw yesterday people are taking out loans for their rent like it's the craziest thing I've ever heard but uh but yeah either you're gonna own something or you're gonna own nothing and if you own nothing and you don't if you don't 
if you own nothing and you don't have your own business, you rely on a job. So if the job disappears, what do you have? You're homeless, like instantly. If you don't have nothing else, you always got to have something else going on. Like my mom told me, everybody needs a job and a hustle. I guess that was her way of saying, always make sure you got money coming in from multiple avenues. Mm, that's real, that's real. And something that uh, I wanted to touch on was, uh, you did a thread a while ago, and it was about how to buy your, uh, your first commercial property for the, like, for uh-huh. the price of a house. And it, kind of, it was like a big thing. I'm like, and I'm like, I want to save that conversation for the podcast. So do, do you mind just going to that a little more? Uh, Sure. Uh, I think the main thing is a lot of people don't realize just how cheap commercial properties can be, especially in cities like uh, Memphis or even Dallas or Houston. You could get a small commercial property for the price of a like a cheap house somewhere like California, where you know they starting over a million in some areas. So, and it's just it gives you like more than one source of income within one acquisition. Mm-hmm. So. You know, just you diversified yourself within one uh, in one acquisition. So, if you buy this apartment complex for two hundred thousand and it's ten units, now you can get a, a commercial loan. Those work different. You don't have to meet the same qualifications. Uh, like when you buy a residential house, the bank is looking at you as an individual. Mm-hmm. So, what? How much are you worth? Can you afford this? But when it's commercial the bank is saying, how much is this building worth? Then they'll get an appraiser to look at it. And if it's, uh, if you are buying it for what they think it'll pay for itself, they'll happily fund it. And if not, it's a lot easier to get outside funding to make that commercial acquisition because most, almost every apartment complex, especially 50 units and above, is done by syndication groups. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to... I guess give a brief overview of that. Mm-hmm. You have a syndicator. He's essentially the CEO of this acquisition. He'll uh, go around to other high net worth individuals, other businesses, like, hey, this is my project I got, we got going. This is how much it's going to cost. And then they offer them, you know, regular rate of returns. And it's, all, it's almost always, it's rarely an individual that buys anything under 50 units. So, Everybody, they put their money together. They make the same down payment, usually 25 to 35%, unless they kind of crazy and they'll do high leverage, maybe 5 to 15%. They can find a bank to fund the rest. And yeah, and you make the same cash flow that you do off of a house, except you got it coming from dozens of people instead of just one. So for a new real estate investor, do you recommend they go ahead and dive right into the commercial side of real estate or start with residential and work their way up? I don't think it's necessary to start in residential. And I see that a lot of people think that I don't, uh, especially you could get started with small commercial properties. It's this, it's pretty much the exact same process of getting a five unit building or a one unit house. So, you know, instead of making five different purchases, now you got to run around the city, five different locations. And like I said, if you got one, if you got one person to move out of a house, you like now you out, you might be coming out of pocket to make the mortgage if you got one versus if two or three people move out of your apartment complex, you probably can still cover your mortgage. But there are pros and cons to everything. So, for example, residential historically people stay in a residential rental for significantly longer. So 
like it's not uncommon for people to stay in one house for 10, 20, even 30 years. I think in most, I say about half of the properties we own, they, the tenants have been there like my entire life. It's been the same people for like 20 years. And that's like rare in an apartment. It's a higher uh, churn rate. You got average turnover is six to 12 months. So it's pros and cons to everything. But the, you got the scale of commercial, you just grow away faster. You know, you can go 50 to 100 in two purchases versus houses. You can buy a portfolio of houses, but most people don't do that. They just do, you know, one at a time. Something else I want to talk about, because I think we like skipped over this part is like, because you're 24, right? You're 24 years old. Yes, sir. Yeah, so you're 24 and you are like commercial real estate consultant. And that's something that's probably. I could say comfortably, that's probably not the norm. So for someone that's that's listening to this, they're like, what the hell? Like, I'm 23, I'm 25. I want to do something similar. How can someone get started? Uh, I, I say the best way is to educate yourself on everything commercial real estate that you can find. Like, consume all the content that you possibly can. Read everything and listen to all the podcasts that you can get your hands on. Uh, like I probably consume four hours worth of content every day, just listening wise. Cause I'm listening to podcasts at two X speed for two to three hours every day. So by the end of the day, I've got like six hours worth of stuff I've been listening to. And it's been like that for years, like probably since my freshman year of college, where I've been listening to Anything I can get my hands on, reading everything I can get my hands on, reading probably about a book a week while listening to all this stuff. And at that point, after you got your education up, when it goes to commercial real estate, you definitely got to have connections. I say that's the biggest difference between residential and commercial, especially like being an agent. Uh, if you're a residential agent, all you can, all you got to do is like take advantage of the lazy agents. You can see who has listings in your office and volunteer to do open houses for them. So whoever comes in that doesn't want that particular house, they free game for you. You can easily build up uh, some clientele just like that. But with commercial, you really got to make the personal connections because I think about 90% of commercial sales actually never even go listed. They're all off market or private sales. And so you wouldn't even know what's going on unless you were connected with the right group of people. So, I guess the best way to find those people, I found a lot of them on Twitter, actually. Not surprising. Uh, right. And beyond that, you could, you know, go to the networking events in your city. Uh, look on LinkedIn. Like, LinkedIn is terrible social networking-wise, but it's great for finding the right people if everybody has their title on there. So you can go on LinkedIn, and I'll, like, I might just pick, like, a group. Uh, I might just type in real estate attorney, and I'll send out an invitation to every real estate attorney I could find. And then I might do asset manager or like commercial hard money or anything. You can do that. You can do this for anything, not just real estate and just find those people, send them an invitation and yeah, build relationships from that point. And then luckily my uncle who is also here in Dallas, he's an exec at a pretty big architecture firm. So he sends a lot of people my way. If it ain't directly architecture related, like if they need funds or to partner with a developer, he usually sends them my way. Mm, that's right. And so, like, with you with you being twenty four again, it's probably 
That's uh, why I'm trying to figure out a way to put this. It's probably a lot of things where you probably sacrifice necessarily, or other people might consider a sacrifice because you're probably not spending your time like the average twenty four. Like how 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 I'm trying to think of how to ask this. Like, is it times with you being so young? Is it times where you feel like, damn, I'm missing out on stuff because I'm I'm uh, getting to it. Uh, honestly, no, because I'm not a very social person. I don't be going out. I don't. I could care less about the other stuff. Like being into commercial real estate, that is like my drug. That's what I love. I don't like. I I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because it's exactly what I always wanted to do. Right. Mm, that's and that's that's a dope answer because, like I always say, because people always be like, man, you know, you got to sacrifice. You got to sacrifice this and that. And I kind of believe like. If you feel like it's a sacrifice, that's probably not really what you like want to do for real. Because if you like, if you if you really enjoy doing it, it's not a sacrifice. It don't feel like a sacrifice because you like not at all. you really enjoy doing it. So it's like so when people say, and it's crazy. Like I even seen uh, some video with Kobe Bryant, and he was just talking about that. He was like, if it feel like if you feel like it's a sacrifice, it's probably not something that you really uh, should be doing or something that you really into like that. I'm like, yeah, they always uh, say, you know, talking about how Kobe got up early all these years, all those years to uh, practice basketball. Like, why he doing it that hard? I'm like, because he loves basketball. <laughs> like, why wouldn't he spend as much time as he could playing it? All right, right, right. That's, that's some real shit. I'm glad I just thought about this. I damn near forgot. So today, for y'all, y'all who's subscribed to the Stack Season email list, today it was a the email was brought to you by Z. And it was about taxes. And this is what I wanted to ask you in the beginning. I don't know. When you start talking about your family, it slipped my mind. I'll just start asking about your folks and stuff. But something I want to ask about this was because, the, like, the first line in the email, is it says America, like, or the government wants you to get rich. And that's something mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that I've learned over the past couple of years because, like, in studying business and different businesses, they all say that. So I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, that's some real shit. So you might just dive into that email a little bit. What what what, what you was going over? Oh uh, well, just the phrase "America want shit." <laughs> my, my bad. Uh, another phone call came up, but uh, just the phrase "America wants you to get rich" because the reality is the federal government isn't that great at providing services, which uh, is why socialism is so stupid. We won't go into that. But, uh, <laughs> and the government knows that they're not great at providing services. They it's not their job to create jobs for other people. It's just their job to manage what's going on. It's their job to set the foundations. Like half the roads, highways in America were privately built by private enterprises. Almost everything that the government builds is partnered with a private enterprise. And so the government incentivizes people to create jobs. So perfect example, people say, oh, how could Amazon and Jeff Bezos not pay any taxes? Well, Jeff Bezos is providing 300 million people with two-day shipping. So Jeff Bezos is employing how many hundreds of thousands of people? I think Amazon is the second biggest employer in the country after Walmart. Jeff Bezos has to build and lease hundreds of thousands of warehouses. The average Amazon warehouse, I think, is like, what, 500,000 square feet? And... When okay, and you build a five hundred thousand square foot warehouse, you know how many people are involved in it. How many, exactly. literally hundreds and hundreds of people involved with every single warehouse that Amazon was a part of. 
all the drivers and shit or just and then you got the ancillary businesses that support that this is just Amazon itself not including the millions of of individual items that they're shipping on a daily basis so Amazon literally makes everyone's life easier Amazon Thanks. uh and and yeah, Amazon didn't pay taxes, but you know who did? All their employees. Mm-hmm. So they got hundreds. They created hundreds of thousands of taxpayers. So overall, everybody wins. Yeah, Amazon got a tax break. Yeah, they could afford to pay taxes, but they were incentivized to create. Bezos was incentivized to create what he created, and his his reward was no taxes. Mm. I like when you put it like that. Yeah, because that that's that's. As fucked up as some people might think that it sounds, that makes perfect sense to me. If somebody's creating hundreds and hundreds of thousands of taxpayers, I mean, of course he's gonna have incentives put in place for him. You know what I mean? That just that just makes sense. Uh, another thing I understand, they want people like Bezos to pay taxes and for why. The reason is to make the life better for all of the people less fortunate than him. Uh, okay, that's that's a nice thought to have, but the reality is, none of those people give a fuck about Jeff Bezos. Yeah. So why should he take a penny out of his children's mouths to put into someone else's who who don't give a fuck about him? And you know what Dale's response be to that? It's because he got a hundred billion dollars. If he can lose a little money, he'll be all right. That's good. It don't matter if he had a hundred trillion dollars. He right. didn't want to give up. Opinion of like he exactly. he gives away billions of dollars. He just gives it away as he chooses. Exactly. I don't see how you think someone should be obligated to blindly give money to strangers. I think that's crazy. Facts. Mm-hmm. I I agree with that a hundred percent. And something I'm you kind of brought it up a little bit. I just want to get into it just a little bit. The you know it's always a debate on Twitter, one side and another side, capitalism versus socialism, and. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you listen to this show and you listen to both of us, we probably ain't gotta say you already could tell just on this conversation what what what's, what's, what's side we what side we on uh, this. But just just uh like why do you think why do you think that big argument or confusion exists? Socialism <laughs> is the government providing you with resources, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we think the government, the same government in place that's been fucking us over 400 years, we're going they going they going to help us or the alternative is you go to a militaristic revolution and you put in your own government. You going right. to go to war with Uncle Sam? Them are your two options. Go to war with Uncle Sam or Uncle Sam don't feed you blindly. And if them are your that's what you think is going to happen, you crazy. Right. And that's real because like I always tell people being prior military, me and Deanna, like, I don't know if people really know the depths of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how unprepared some people may hey, think you know, it's, you know what's really ironic, though? What? A lot of these socialists are anti-gun people, anti-assault rifle people. So how are you going to go to war? You're <laughs> offering to give up your guns. <laughs> And now that's that's hilarious, but yeah, that's like how you how you just explained it. That's how I see. It. I'm like a, a capitalistic environment is is I don't want to say the way to, but I just feel like it's the it's the best system to 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 
you know what I'm saying, make something out of nothing. You know what I mean? It, it, it incentivizes ambition. Exactly. The way I see it is uh, socialism says we got this pie. This is all we got. We're going to ration it out. Everybody going to starve. Even though us at top, we we got, you know, we got plenty. We we rich. We happy. We fat. But everybody else, y'all going to share what we got. What capitalism says, hey, this is the bakery. Y'all can bake as many pies as y'all feel like. You can, you know what? Well, you can go build your own bakery. Exactly. You don't have to even use this one. You can use you can use our bakery. You can use our resources so you build up your own. You can go do whatever you want with it. Yep. There is no cap to it. There are no limitations to it. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you want to be? But like I said, people put limitations on themselves. So so when I guess capitalism is is borderline intimidating when it's all on you. It, it comes is. with accountability. Yep. That's real, cause that's that's exactly how I see. I see capitalism as a every man for themselves, every woman for themselves system, and as a man, especially as, as a man with ambition, and as a man that's a competitor, that's something that I was like, cool. Even mm-hmm. even if sometimes there are things that's like in my way, as a competitor, I'm like, now nah, I'm really gonna now nah, I'm really gonna prove not only to them but really to myself that I can do this. And like how we just how you just said with socialism, it's really like a, you know what I'm saying? Somebody's at the top, and okay, we gonna decide. You get this, you get that. It's really gonna kill like it, with a system like that. That would really kill amb- amb- ambition for most people. All people in a capitalist society are already lazy as hell. If you had a socialist mm-hmm. society, it would be like extremely, extremely fucking lazy. Like, what would people even do if everything was guaranteed? <laughs> what would be the what would even be the point of existence? Honestly, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, what, like, what, what, what literally would be the point of existence if everything like was guaranteed? Americans already fat as hell as a whole, <laughs> so like, what would they be doing all day if everything was? Uh, we had a the UBI universal the universal basic income. Man, that's and that's it. Yeah, that's just like spooky to me, man. It's spooky that people even like uh, are like co-signing it because it's like, yo, yo. Hey, the, the funny part is though, if they gave that out, they'd be in the same boat. They gonna spend it all on bullshit. They gonna spend it all. They gonna spend it all. Like that's that's just the point. That's just the that's just how shit work. Like with somebody, especially if somebody giving you a handout, you don't feel like no 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 real connection has like a value with that. It's just like, oh, I'm, you, I know I'm gonna get this anyway every month. They, yeah, they, it's just like, uh, it's just like tax return season is like second Christmas to most people. Mm-hmm. They going by like I, I uploaded like what people spend their tax return money on. It'd be TVs, cars, vacations. Yep. It's the same demographic that is capping for the UBI. So like, even if you gave people an extra thousand dollars a month, you look back five years later, would they have extra wealth? They might be even broker because now they even went about a car they really can't afford because they got this chip. Uh, his like you look at historically the more income like every time somebody gets a raise they usually get more debt because they went and bought the next thing that they couldn't afford. Yeah. Lifestyle creep. Lifestyle creep. That's a re- it's a re- it's a real thing, man. I, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that real quick because I don't know it, like like how you said before how you think when they talk talk about this like who gonna pay for all this. Like who's gonna pay for this shit? <laughs> right, who gonna pay for this shit? Like somebody gotta pay. It's like all this stuff is in the in the socialism system. Like who? Yeah, Bezos is supposed to play. Uh, even though Bezos right. is the ultimate capitalist, he's supposed to fund your socialist <laughs> life. Think about how backwards. <laughs> right, exactly. 
It's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's at this point, it's like it's trying to, it's trying to make sense out of a concept that doesn't really make sense for real. But to me, it doesn't. To me personally, it just don't make sense to me. But that's me, though. <laughs> but I guess in a perfect world, I don't, I don't see like, yeah, where, where does the money come from? Who, who, who creates it? Who generates it? What is anybody's? What was Jeff Bezos' incentive to build Amazon? Makes everybody else's life convenient to get two day shipping, or you can get next day shipping, same day, day shipping, same, same, shit. same day. But what's his? What was his incentive to do that if he didn't have the potential at least to get filthy rich? What was the Google's founders' incentive exactly. for creating a search engine that billions of people use at this point if they didn't have if they were also if they were cap you put a cap on their income, who gonna take the time <laughs> and the risk to build it? Like uh Elon must have been working eighty to a hundred hours a week for like the last twenty years. Like most people don't know Elon Musk is actually like the co-founder of PayPal. Right. Before PayPal, there was no such thing as online payments, digital payments of any sort. And if he didn't have the ability to get filthy rich, why would he have done that? Why would he be up 80 hours a week coding to make everybody else's life easier? What was his incentive? Exactly, bro. That's, that's man, bro, you, well, you preaching to me because that's how I see it. I feel like you get paid based based on the, the problems you fix and the people you help who the people who life you makes easier. I feel like that's that's how you get your value and what what money you get. And like you said, yeah, uh, this guy Pierre Diamandis, he said you want to be a billionaire, uh, come up with a product that a billion people could buy for a dollar. Now you're a billionaire. It's really that simple. You affected a billion people, even though it was cheap. You you touched a billion people. Yeah. Exactly, and at that point, why would, why wouldn't you have an abundance of money? You know what I'm yeah, like like uh like uh my homie Chris said, uh, Bill Aviator. He's like, if Jeff Bezos made everybody's life more convenient, and he wasn't the richest man in the world, he had been cheated. Something has gone terribly wrong. No, it's facts, facts. That's some real shit. That's real. If you really think about that, because the lives that Amazon, that company, has affected. And the, the, the how many people they help life make easier, uh, same day shipping, goddamn same. You know, if you go some places overseas, you could get it like within an hour to two hours. So it's and like, it's not even just the consumers; it's thousands of business people business using people. Amazon's platform. Exactly, thousands. That's making like real money. Like that's making a livelihood from Amazon platform. So it's <laughs> he's supposed to be. Like just yeah. the, that, well, he's supposed to be the richest person in the world. How many billions of books is Amazon? So how many? Yeah, that's a real question. How many millionaires have <laughs> right. Jeff Bezos created? Created? Yeah. Like it's pretty, it's probably it's probably thousands. I'm pretty sure it's thousands and thousands. Yeah. yeah, it's it's actually literally impossible to get that rich without creating thousands of millionaires yeah, in the yeah, process. It is literally it's impossible. It, the only way it would be possible if it wasn't like in a completely different system. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like some feudal system with right. kings and queens and shit. Yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the only that's the only way, man. But I want to talk about, because there's a couple things on Twitter that you did that kind of went like, uh, went kind of viral with uh, some of the uh, stuff you were saying. Like, L- LLC was another one. I'm like, yeah, let me, let's talk about this one. And you were saying how okay. don't, don't pay services like LegalZoom or whatever to file an LLC. You, go, you could just go directly 
on your secretary of state and get approved within a week. And I'm like, damn, I don't think enough mm-hmm. a lot of people know that because you know people they go to legal zone or Zen business consistently to 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 create to create LLCs. Mm-hmm. So I just want you to touch on that a little bit. Okay, that's like that is extremely simple. Like you uh just Google whatever state you get your LLC in, Google Texas LLC and apply online because you got it to where you can fill in the form, print it out and send it in or you can apply online. Make sure you're applying directly online. And when I did it in Texas, it auto filled a uh, operating agreement and I would uh I'll probably get an attorney to give me a more specific one later on. Right. It was just extremely basic. I was just trying to get, uh, you know, the license, the business license open. And after that, like two days later, I got an email saying, you know, your LLC has been approved. And before you apply for it, you'll do like a free name search and it'll tell you if it's available, stuff like that. And two days later, it got approved. And at that point, you can go directly, you can just Google IRS EIN number. And the EIN is essentially your business's social security number. So you need that right. to open up your business bank account. And you uh, type in your business information. It auto-fills. And the second you hit apply, it told me approve. This is your EIN number. And I went to the bank like right after that to open up the business account. That easy. Yeah. It's that quick. And, I, you go ahead. Yeah, that's like... So Texas got like one of the highest LLC filing fees at like three hundred. But if I went through legalism, I probably would have paid seven fifty. Right. And this whole process took me maybe twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And like I was gonna say is uh, especially when you like first getting started out, you're gonna have a bunch of unexpected business expenses that you really can't plan for if you don't know that right. these things are gonna be a thing. Mm-hmm. And like for us, mm-hmm. I um cause it you could figure out so much stuff if you just take the time to do the research. Right. And I, like when I was doing all of ours, I started just doing the research and all the doc, the EIM, the LLC, like I figure out how to do all of that stuff within a day and file, because the documents aren't complicated. But when you go to those websites, they tack on a bunch of stuff you don't need and they just, you know, like um, pretty much triple, make you pay triple what you could have paid for if you just took the time to do that stuff yourself. And this for you to be twenty four minutes. Like I like I I told you this before, like a couple times. I'm like you way ahead of of ninety nine percent of twenty four year olds. So like, what do you see yourself five ten years from now? Uh, five ten years from now, uh, I'm definitely running. It's like a an amalgam of businesses I want to run. Pretty much. A combination of Berkshire Hathaway, SoftBank, Virgin Group, and Blackstone, and so like, like different aspects of those businesses. I like, like I like uh, the way just Warren Buffett he never sells, right. and I love the way SoftBank is essentially Berkshire Hathaway except it's just more technology focused. And I like the way Richard Branson and the Virgin Group he starts a lot of businesses. From the ground up, he doesn't just acquire them. And I love the way Blackstone is pretty much the most dominant business when it comes to real estate, period. Mm-hmm. So a combination of that is where I see myself. Mm. And that's very interesting that you said that because what I noticed in that answer is 
you said all companies. You didn't say an individual, even though you brought up the individual's names like Richard Branson and Warren Buffett, but you really was referring to their company. And that's very, mm -hmm. that's very unique because most people, when you ask them like what they want to be or what model do they see themselves out or whatever, they'll name an individual. But mm -hmm. I feel like it's much better going that route where you just name the business. You know what I mean? Because the business is mm -hmm. the, it's the system that you're really referring to. Like the system they got in place, what they're doing. And even though the person is kind of one that initiated that, but without that person, the business would probably still be the business. So that's super mm -hmm. dope. That, that that's super dope that you uh, that said it, and you said it like there was no hesitation. So I could I could tell that you really like you really on your shit. <laughs> uh, something else I want to uh, ask you, like so, and this like this is another question that we always ask everybody, like because you on Twitter you give a lot of information as well, and like do you feel as if that's something that you that you have to do, or is it something that's, or is it just something where you just talking shit, or is it just something that you feel like, <laughs> like, like, like what's behind? I think it's definitely an obligation for for two reasons. I was listening to this Kwame Ture interview, mm. and uh, okay, there was a point in time where we when you were black and you could have all the answers, you could be the smartest nigga in the world. <laughs> and you still had no opportunity. It was nothing you could ever do. Right. You had limitations. And that's not the case anymore. And that, that didn't just happen. We had ancestors who were murdered to uh, in the process of making this happen for us. And they didn't do that for some of us to make it. They did it for all of us to make it. So if some of us make it and we have the information and we do nothing and we keep it to ourselves, we are betraying the life they gave for all of us. In pretty much every country in the world, treason is a crime. Treason is a crime punishable by death. So it's a horrible thing to have access, have information, and to hoard it for yourself. You betraying all your ancestors that came before you who didn't even have the opportunity. So I think I'm obligated. And just a uh, even more simple answer: My mom used to always say, "If you want a position to help someone, and you can, you should do it." So just just going off that, I'm definitely obligated. Mm. And that's, that's some real shit. I agree with that a, a thousand percent. Something that was very interesting about that is you brought up in Kwame Ture. And I'm like, okay. So that when people <laughs> say stuff like that, that lets me know mentally, like, where they, where they at. And uh, and just dive, like, I don't, don't want to go real deep into that. Because someone like a Kwame Ture, if, we, if, if people know who he is, I would advise everybody to do their research so they can find out who he is. Somebody like that, when you and you just said how, like, back in the day, they was pretty much like, they, obviously they didn't have access to the stuff we have access to now. So it's like our duty to really, really go hard. So, I would, But what I want to ask you is, what do you think about people that use that use their race as an excuse for why they can't do something? Um, I think it's an absurd excuse because, like I said, my grandfather is what started all this because he started buying properties. This is a black man who grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, mm. and he was born in the 1920s. So he was able to buy properties in the 60s and 70s. And my dad, who grew up in the 80s, and like just for context, right, we all know that Louisiana, I mean, the United States is like, you know, the prison capital of the world. Right. And 70% of those people are black. Yep. Louisiana is the prison capital of America. 
and the city, the parish, the county that my family's from in Louisiana, it's number one on that list, which means Caddo Parish is the prison capital of the planet. Like literally probably one of the most dangerous places a black man could grow up, be born into. So if they were able to do that in a much more hostile time. Yeah, just in a horrific time, times that I couldn't, I, could, I wouldn't have made it, ain't no way. So if they did it back then, how could you possibly complain and cry about how unfair it is today? Mm-hmm. Real shit. I agree, I, I agree a thousand, a thousand, a million percent right there. Because I, I just want to ask that because I know, you know, every day you see somebody, especially if you go online, stuff like Twitter, every day, especially if you're on there talking shit like how we do, every day you're going to get somebody <laughs> that's like, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, what? You know, I can't this, this and that. I'm like, yo, what the hell? I'm like, I don't see. Hey, it, it might be a little bit harder than if you were a white man, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, us too as black men, D got a harder life than us being a woman. So exactly. it's always, people always, life ain't fair for one. Like, I don't know why exactly. a lot of people expecting it to be fair. Like, yeah. no aspect of it is fair. The life of a cheetah is harder than a lion. The life of, uh, uh, I don't know, the smaller uh, animals, uh, uh, like, especially uh, if they're predatory, exactly. like, you're not. If you're a predatory animal, you grown deformed. You ain't gonna make it. Exactly. I don't make it to adulthood. The life of a gazelle is spent looking over your shoulder saying, damn, I hope it's not a lion over there. <laughs> That's all they're doing all day, every day. So if it's fair for nothing at all, why do humans believe it's supposed to be fair for us just because we got a mouth to bitch about it? Mm-hmm. Damn. Damn. That's some real shit right there. That's damn. <laughs> <laughs> All people do is complain, complain, complain. Take control of your situation and make some changes. Do something about it. Don't nobody want to hear you crying all day. Hey man, but see, you saying you saying that? That's how they gonna come at your neck. Some people. Crying <laughs> 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 about your problems not gonna fix them though. They don't. You can sit there and cry. You can. Did you change though? Do you feel better about it? They don't. They don't. They mm-hmm. don't, man. They don't. And like just on the on the race topic, like I said, I don't want to get too deep in this. Like. Sometimes I identify with the people that, like, bitch about it all day. Because I used to identify with that. As crazy as it is, like, people probably might hear the things I say today and they like, man, you just don't fucking know. Like, no, I know because I used to literally identify with that. I used to be the one mm-hmm. bitching saying, like, you know, I'm black. We can't do this, this. But then it's, it got to a point where I'm like, yo, we had a time. This is not the This is not the 30s, the 50s the 60s where it was like literally what they telling you like yo you can't do this you're not about to do this we not at that time no more even though it's still shit in place like you said life ain't fair it's still shit in place that's gonna make it harder just for you being black we all understand that but that ain't no excuse Mm -hmm. to not do some shit or at least not try to do it you know what i'm saying because we got hella examples out here and that's the thing like if you see all the examples it's like obviously unless you think um, another man or another woman is better than you, you got to see these examples and be like, damn, he's from the slums, she from the slums, and they got to this point, I know I could do it. But then that's when when other shit come into place where people are like, they they did some, you know, the, some immoral shit. Then I was like, all right, I'm yeah. not going to win this argument with you. You got it, bro. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. If you believe you can, mm-hmm. you can't. If a foreigner could come over here with $2 in their pocket and not knowing a word of English, 
and get rich what excuse do you have english is like the hardest language to learn if you Friends. you know if you if you from china you know how hard learning english is they can come over here not know nothing nothing at all like you know how many uh foreign exchange students accidentally enrolled into miami of ohio because they didn't know what miami florida was so <laughs> you got stuff like that they come over here and make something of themselves. If you was born here, you speak the language. Which I don't get it. Yeah. And you got like so much, so many resources just literally sitting in the palm of your hand. Like you got this podcast. You got the internet. You just the get, internet, just bro. the internet alone. Just the internet alone. Like, you can really make stuff happen. Just take advantage of the resources you got available to you and quit crying. Real Hundreds of millionaires at this point have written step by step. This is how I became a millionaire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what kid. That's what killed me. Like when people be like, "Man, we can't do." I'm like, "Yo, you could do literally as cliche as it sounds." When motherfuckers be like, "You could do whatever you put your mind to," that's probably the realest statement in the history of uh, in the world. Like you mm-hmm. could, if you really put your mind to it, and you believe, and you most importantly, you work at it consistently you could get there but no but it's easier to say i can't do it right right (laughs) (laughs) and just to go on that i think that's why it's so important that people set their own bar higher Mm. because uh you might come up short right you're aiming for a colossal goal who cares if you come up short you say i want to be a billionaire you get 10% there, that's $100 million, $100 million versus the person content with, oh, I just want to make six figures by 30. I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if you come up short, hopefully you put in, um, laying the foundation and putting it in place for your kids to go and reach that goal and get it there for you. Yeah, and, that, and that's something I was just about to ask you. Are you, are you already, because uh, I know me personally, I'm already looking, I'm already doing stuff right now and play for whenever I do have children. So I already got like accounts, like a uh, stock accounts made for them that I'm putting money into because every single week. Are you, uh, are, I'm pretty sure I could tell based on this conversation that you probably already have what you want to do for the next generation in mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I like the way Panda put it. He said, I'm not rich, my children are. I just get a yeah, allowance for managing the assets. Yeah, I was like, whoa. When I say that, I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, oh, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, that's exactly what Fred Trump did. Like, he sold, like, because I think Fred Trump was worth about a half a billion when he died. And he gifted pretty much all of his assets to Donald before he died. Before he died. And usually you pay, like, a gift tax whenever your kids inherit something. But he was doing, like, slick shit. Like, he would sell Donald assets at a loss. It'd be like a $30 million building. He'd sell it to Donald for, you know, 10000 So he record a loss on his taxes, and now Donald got this $30 million building that he paid pennies for. Yep. And that's, that's, that's funny you brought that up, because I was just watching a docu- documentary about Donald Trump's father and stuff. Like I, like I said earlier in the, uh, at the start of the show, I'm always paying attention to, like, family structures and family... Like what you that some people I say a family dynasty. I'm just always paying attention to that because that's important to me. And like I don't care, I don't care if I'm a like fan of them personally or not. It's the, I know mm-hmm. it's something that I can still learn from something that they did. Just like how you said with Donald Trump, how his father just did. And that's something like, I mean, 
I feel like if you a smart person, especially if you're in business, why wouldn't you pay attention to that? Knowing that he did something like that. Before we wrap up, uh, do you mind like uh, just dropping where your 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 usernames on all, all social media platforms so people can find you, get in touch with you, and all that stuff? Uh, the only one I'm actually active on is Twitter. Twitter, and that's yeah at Z Bank E N T. I just want to say, man, we definitely appreciate you, man. Like I already talked to you before about coming to Dallas soon, just to. To just to do, just just to do a few things, but I want to say we definitely appreciate you, man. This was this was dope, man. For a young dude like you to, to be doing what you're doing, like you definitely got our utmost respect, and we salute you and we support you. Whatever you need, bro. Man, back at y'all, y'all doing the community a favor. Everybody has the opportunity to learn. I've listened to probably ninety five percent of the podcast thus far. Dope, so bro. yeah, anybody who logs in is gonna learn something. Definitely, bro. And this is going to be another episode where somebody going to learn from. It's like, especially someone that's around your age that's probably like, man, they probably don't got that much faith in themselves to see somebody like same age as them doing some really dope shit. Hopefully it, it motivates them to be like, all right, I can do this. Let me get out of here. Let me stop playing. But yeah, man, I definitely appreciate you, bro. I'll be, uh, uh, we'll be keeping in touch with you soon, bro. Yes, sir. Definitely, man. Talk to Thank you all. Thank you. Have a great day. You too, bro. But that was another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets podcast with Zamonte. And like he said, he gave out his information for you guys that want to reach him on Twitter. And then wrapping up, for those who don't know, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Xavier C. Miller, Indiana. You can follow me on Twitter at Deanna S. Kent or Instagram, Deanna Kent or Kent Real Estate. And if you're interested in learning more about real estate investing, you can book a consultation with us at www.parkhillconsultantservices.com. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe to the podcast. And that is all we have for you guys. Appreciate y'all for listening to another episode. See y'all next episode. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next till I'm on the way. You ain't take a risk cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way.